0: Welcome to Come Follow Me With Free, Episode 58, Where Art Thou? Hello, everyone. I hope all of you are having a great week feeling connected to God, feeling close to Him, and feeling as though He is available and ready to be there for you in your trials. However, if you don't, if you feel like some of your trials are making you feel far from God— then this week, these sections are for you. And ultimately, even if you do feel close to God right now, these sections are sections that we can all relate to. All of us have had times where we feel like we don't feel close to God, that we don't, we're don't, we not really sure where He is or what His plan for us is and what we should do next. So I'm so excited to talk about these sections. These are some of the most famous sections in the Doctrine and Covenants. And some of the most quoted sections in the Doctrine of Covenants and it has some amazing things for us to think about and apply to our lives. So let's get going. So section 121 to 123, when you boil it down, a prayer and then an answer to that prayer. And then written down in letter form and sent first to Emma Smith because Joseph wanted her to read it first. And then she gave that letter to Edward Partridge, who then distributed it to the saints. So it wasn't intended necessarily as a personal letter to Emma, um, but for whatever reason, he wanted her to read it first. So that's who got it first. And then the saints received it. And it was such a comfort to them because they were going through some pretty tough stuff, as was the prophet, obviously. I'm sure a lot of us are aware of the context surrounding this. So I'm just going to briefly touch on that. Um, We talked last week about Adam on Diamond and about the... We kind of talked about how things dissolved a little bit already. But back then, things were looking hopeful. They were looking good. The saints were organizing in Far West, and they were creating a community and giving, getting revelations from the Lord. And so things were looking pretty good, but really that only lasted just a few months. Their prophet and five other church leaders were arrested and taken to prison and hearings, and ultimately they were transferred to what we know as Liberty Jail. And isn't that kind of a cruel name to call a jail Liberty Jail? I never really thought about that before. <laughs> um And just an interesting fact that I learned about that I didn't know before is the five other leaders that were with Joseph, they were asked and told that they could be released if they would denounce the prophet and none of them ever did. So what a great testimony of the prophet. What a great example for us to have of just strength when you're facing really difficult personal circumstances and personal consequences to your physical safety, physical comfort, and still they they would not denounce the prophet. So they were transferred to Liberty Jail which as I'm sure most of you know was very small. I think it was ugh, I should have written it down, 14 by 14 and a half feet, so a little square um in a basement with very little light and not much food and the food that they did had was not high quality, it was moldy. So really bad bad situation, not to mention the fact that it was winter and I grew up in Missouri and um, winter in Missouri is not warm, as you can imagine. All while they were staying in Liberty Jail, they still were able to receive communication and send communication out. So we have letters during this time period. And not only was Joseph able to communicate with, with Emma and with others about how he was feeling, how they were doing, but he was able to hear about how the saints were doing and they were not doing well they had been asked to leave and many were packing up and moving to illinois and iowa and their profit was you know gone their a bunch of their leaders were gone so it felt pretty chaotic there was a lot of contention between members there was a lot of contention between members and the people of missouri So all around, really rough times for everyone, rough times for the prophet, rough times for the people that were with him, rough times for the saints, just this section is just so needed at this time. And you know what else I thought about as I read this is I think we are entering into a time period right now where things are going to get harder. And actually, I don't think that. I know that. Our prophet has told us that. And so This section is a section that we need. It's a section that we can very easily apply to ourselves right now and as we move forward, as things do get harder, as our faith is tested. As we might feel that things aren't going exactly as we imagine. I think that one of the reasons that the the scriptures say that men men's hearts will fail them in the last days is because things aren't always going to go perfectly smoothly, just as they didn't go perfectly smoothly for the saints in the early days. I think that we are going to be tested and we are going to have to trust that the Lord has things in hand, that he knows exactly what he's doing. And that just because things are hard for us, just because things might not go exactly as we think they should go, it doesn't mean that there's anything actually wrong. So these sections are are sections that I think that we can draw upon, that we can um, use an ex- as an example about how to speak to the Lord and how to model our questions to the Lord. So let's, let's get into this. I am going to be reading you a fair amount of this section and commenting throughout because sometimes I feel like when I talk, you know, I can just pick out a scripture and then I want to talk about it and read quotes from general conference. But then sometimes the Lord's words are just so much better than mine. And I know that you can read them yourselves, but I think that there is power in hearing them read out loud. So, um, let's go starting with verse one, the prophet writes, O God, where art thou, and where is the pavilion that covereth thy hiding place? How long shall thy hand be stayed, and thine eye, yea, thy pure eye? Behold from the eternal heavens the wrongs of thy people and of thy servants, and thine ear be penetrated with their cries. Yea, O Lord, how long shall they suffer these wrongs and unlawful oppressions before thine heart shall be softened toward them, and thy bowels be moved with compassion toward them? O Lord God Almighty, maker of the heaven, earth, and seas, and all things that in them are, and who controllest and subjectest the devil, and the dark and benighted dominion of Sheol, stretch forth thine hand, let thine eye pierce, let thy pavilion be taken up, let thine hiding place no longer be covered, let thine ear be inclined, let thy heart be softened, and thy bowels be moved with compassion toward us, let thine anger be kindled against our enemies, and in the fury of thine heart and with thy sword, avenge us of our wrongs. remember thy suffering saints, O our God, and thy servants will rejoice in thy name forever. Okay, let's start by thinking about what kinds of questions the prophet is asking. He isn't asking why? Why did this have to happen? Why is this happening to the saints? He didn't question whether God was really there or not, whether the Lord was was aware of him. In fact, he acknowledged within his prayer who the Lord is, maker of the heaven, earth, and seas, and all things that in them are. He just asked, where art thou, and when are you coming? Now, I want to read a quote from Henry B. Eyring. He says, in the depths of his anguish in Liberty Jail, the prophet Joseph Smith cried out, O God, where art thou? And where is the pavilion that covereth thy hiding place? Many of us, in moments of personal anguish, feel that God is far from us. The pavilion that seems to intercept divine aid does not cover God, but occasionally covers us. God is never hidden, yet sometimes we are, covered by a pavilion of motivations that draw us away from God and make Him seem distant and inaccessible. Our own desires, rather than the feeling of Thy will be done, create a feeling of a pavilion blocking God. God is not unable to see us or communicate with us, but we may be unwilling to listen or submit to his will and his time. So although Joseph wasn't asking why, he wasn't questioning whether God was really there, but there was something in himself that was causing him to feel like he was disconnected with God. So what was that? I think that's a pretty easy question. He was in horrible circumstances, being fed nearly nothing, cold, cramped, and all of this for months on end, all while he's hearing about all of the horrible persecutions being heaped upon the saints. So it's not surprising that he felt that disconnect, that he was wondering where God is and when he was going to help his saints. So what I want you to ask yourself is when you are in your personal liberty jail. When you're really struggling with whatever whatever you might be struggling, I think sometimes I um maybe this is a good thing sometimes, but I think sometimes it's it's not helpful where I think so many people have it so much worse than I do, have so many more more hard trials than I do. But it's all relative. All of us, no matter what stage of life we're in, no matter if our trials are would seem to be hard to someone else who has it, quote unquote, far worse than we do. We all have times when our mountains feel big. So maybe right now you're like me and you feel like others just have it have it worse. And so what do I have to complain about, even when it might feel big to you? Or maybe you really are in the midst of something that you feel like is huge. Either way, I think that we all can relate to the feeling that the prophet was having. So, my question for you is what kinds of questions do you ask the Lord? Are you asking, are you questioning him and saying, why? Demonstrating a lack of faith? Or are you like the prophet and you just feel that disconnect, but you know he's there, you know he has it all in his hands, and you know he has a plan, and you're just asking, where are you? And I guess. Elder Eyring would have us rephrase that question. What is in my way? What is blocking me from you? Think about that for a minute. Whatever trial you've got going on in your life that might be making you feel far from God, or whatever trial you've had in the past that you can remember where you felt far from the Lord, what can you identify that was keeping you from feeling close to Him? Because we know from his promises that he has given to the house of Israel, that he will stay close to us, that he will be our constant companion. So when there is a distance there, it is not because he is far. It is because we have strayed. And in Joseph's case here, we can see why that might have happened. I'm pretty sure I would probably be feeling the same way. So it's in those moments that we have to ask ourselves, when we want to feel God close to us, when we want to feel that comfort and peace that comes with that companionship, what is keeping me from Him? Let's read the Lord's answer. He says, starting in verse 7 in section 121, My son, peace be unto thy soul. Thine adversity and thine affliction shall be but a small moment. And what does the Lord mean by a small moment? In the span of eternity? Even our entire life is a small moment, and that's a really hard perspective to wrap your mind around because right now our moments don't feel so small and they don't feel so short, but that's where faith comes in, where we believe and have faith that that really is true, that all of this is just a small moment and that it will be dwarfed by everything that is to come, that he will wipe away all our tears and that all will be made right and whole. Verse 8, and then if thou endure it well, God shall exalt thee on high and shalt triumph over all thy foes. What does it mean to endure it well? You could just endure it, right? (laughs) What does it mean to endure it well? We've been given all kinds of direction in the scriptures, like be of good cheer or be still and know that I am God. And it's easy to say those things and to read those things and in theory want to put them into practice. But when you're in the midst of your own liberty jail, it doesn't feel so easy to be of good cheer or be still and know that he is God. And so that to me is my goal. I want to endure it well by enduring whatever trial is to come as cheerfully and with as much peace as I can muster. Verse nine, thy friends do stand by thee. And they shall hail thee again with warm hearts and friendly hands. Thou art not yet as Job. Thy friends do not contend against thee, neither charge thee with transgressions as they did Job. Now, we've all heard of Job in the the Old Testament. He was a man of great possession, great success, amazing family, and all of that was taken from him uh, to a great, horrible, devastating degree. And it's interesting that the Lord talks about Job here because, as you'll see in a few verses, the Lord also talks about Himself and what He has endured. And I think being reminded of people who have had it worse than us, it can have a couple of different effects, depending on how we choose to view it. We can just be annoyed and decide that that's not helpful and not allow that to help us. But when the Lord says it, it kind of—it's um, a lot different than if I were to say that to you, because the Lord has actually. Endured it all. He has actually descended below all things. So when he says it, when he who is all knowing says it, it has some weight to it. So if you and I are not like Job yet, we can choose to draw some comfort from that. It is possible to remain faithful, to be faithful all the way to the end, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how hard our trials become. We are told here that it is possible to remain faithful. And how is that possible? Let's go back to my favorite scripture. If we rely on the rock of our Redeemer, if we build our foundation on Jesus Christ, we cannot fall. He will support us to the very end. Helaman 5.12 And now, my sons, remember, remember that it is upon the rock of our Redeemer, who is Christ, the Son of God, that ye must build your foundation, that when the devil shall send forth his mighty winds, yea, his shafts in the whirlwind, yea, when all his hail and his mighty storm shall beat upon you, it shall have no power over you to drag you down to the gulf of misery and endless woe, because of the rock upon which ye are built, which is a sure foundation, a foundation whereon if men build, they cannot fall. I mentioned this last week. But I'm going to mention it again. President Nelson has asked us to take unprecedented measures to sure up our foundation. And that is how, when we are in our own liberty jail, that we can have faith that we can endure all things because he is our foundation. A foundation whereon if men build, they cannot fall. It is not possible. So when you are asking the Lord questions, when you are unsure about what direction your life needs to take, what the next right thing is, or if you're unsure about where he is, why you can't feel him, don't ask why he is hiding. Ask what is blocking your view and be humble enough to accept that answer and then to get it out of the way. Use his help, use his grace, use the atonement to get that thing out of the way because he is there for you. And once you get it out of the way, once you can feel him, once you feel him as your companion, just focus on doing the next right thing because he will lead you. He will show you where to go. He will show you what decisions you need to make. He will show you where you need to be brave and where you need to step out of your comfort zone to accomplish the work that he has for you to do. And the work he has for you to do, I promise you, is great because he makes small things great. I want to skip ahead to verse 26. God shall give unto you knowledge by the Holy Spirit, yea, by the unspeakable gift of the Holy Ghost, that has not been revealed since the world was until now, which our forefathers have awaited with anxious expectation to be revealed in the last times, which their minds were pointed to by the angels, as held in reserve for the fullness of their glory. A time to come in which nothing shall be withheld, whether there be one God or many gods, they shall be manifest. All thrones and dominions, principalities and powers shall be revealed and set forth upon all those who have endured valiantly for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And also if there be bounds set to the heavens or the seas or to the dry land or the sun or the moon or the stars, all the times of their revolutions, all the appointed days, months and years, and all the days of their days, months and years, and all their glories, laws and set times shall be revealed in the days of the dispensation of the fullness of times according to that which was ordained in the midst of the counsel of the eternal God, of all other gods before this world was, that should be reserved unto the finishing and end thereof, when every man shall enter into his eternal presence and into his immortal rest. How long can rolling waters remain impure? What power shall stay the heavens? As well might man stretch forth his puny arm to stop the Missouri River in its decreed course or turn it upstream as to hinder the Almighty from pouring down knowledge from heaven upon the heads of the Latter day Saints. Guys, there is so much more than we can see right now. If we endure it well, if we remove whatever pavilion is covering us, is separating us from the Lord. We get to know all that eventually. It's just mind-blowing. It's amazing. It makes so much sense. It's so logical that there is so much more that we cannot see right now. And if we endure it well, if we stay close to Him, that is what our future holds. And that, man, that is incredible and worth all of our effort, worth our small moments that don't feel so small. Eventually, it will all be overtaken by this grand, amazing plan of who we can become, who our human family can become, and ultimately, who our God is. He is more than we can possibly imagine right now. So how can we make sure that we are one of these people who gets to realize to its full potential all that Heavenly Father has planned for us? It says next, in verse 34, behold, there are many called, but few are chosen. And why are they not chosen? Because their hearts are set so much upon the things of the world and aspire to the honors of men that they do not learn this one lesson that the rights of the priesthood are inseparably connected with the powers of heaven, and that the powers of heaven cannot be controlled or handled only upon the principles of righteousness, that they may be conferred upon us. It is true. But when we undertake to cover our sins or gratify our pride or vain ambition or to exercise control or dominion or compulsion upon the souls of the children of men in any degree of unrighteousness, behold, the heavens withdraw themselves. The spirit of the Lord is grieved. And when it is withdrawn, amen to the priesthood or the authority of that man. And I want to add in there women too. When we unrighteously use our authority, or seek to gratify our pride or cover our sins or vain ambition, that is when we lose the compensatory spiritual power that we are promised as Latter-day Saints. Verse 38, Behold, ere he is aware, he is left unto himself to kick against the pricks, to persecute the saints, and fight against God. We have learned by sad experience that it is the nature and disposition of almost all men as soon as they get a little authority, as they suppose, they will immediately begin to exercise unrighteous dominion. Hence. Many are called, but few are chosen. No power or influence can or ought to be maintained by virtue of the priesthood, only in persuasion, by long-suffering, by gentleness and meekness, and by love unfeigned, by kindness and pure knowledge, which shall greatly enlarge the soul without hypocrisy and without guile, reproving betimes with sharpness, when moved upon by the Holy Ghost, and then showing forth afterwards an increase of love toward him whom thou hast reproved, lest he esteem thee to be thine enemy, that he may know that thy faithfulness is stronger than the cords of death. Let thy bowels also be full of charity toward all men, and to the household of faith, and let virtue garnish thy thoughts unceasingly, and then shall thy confidence wax strong in the presence of God, and the doctrine of the priesthood shall distill upon thy soul as the dews from heaven. The Holy Ghost shall be thy constant companion, and thy scepter an unchanging scepter of righteousness and truth, and thy dominion shall be an everlasting dominion, and without compulsory means it shall flow unto thee forever and ever. There are so many good things. I I don't even know what to talk about in there. Let's start with probably my favorite part. By kindness and pure knowledge, which shall greatly enlarge the soul without hypocrisy and without guile. Kindness, pure knowledge, those two things will enlarge our soul without hypocrisy. I I don't really even know how to elaborate on that, but think how awesome that is. Kindness and pure knowledge. My next favorite part is Let virtue garnish thy thoughts unceasingly, and then thy confidence wax strong in the presence of God. What would it feel like to have confidence in the presence of God? To know that you did all you could, everything you said you would, and be able to stand confidently in front of Him and bask in the joy of being in His presence. And the next part says, The doctrine of the priesthood shall distill upon thy soul as the dews from heaven. When I read that, I feel like I felt some small portion of this where I read the scriptures, I listen to the general authorities, and even when something rubs me ever so slightly the wrong way, when I am humble, when my heart is in the right place, when my thoughts are virtuous it all falls into place in my mind. The doctrine all makes sense. And I'm given this peace in knowing that even though I don't totally understand everything, the doctrine at its core, it rings true. And I feel an ultimate peace in my heart when I am allowing virtue to garnish my thoughts unceasingly. And then the last promise, the Holy Ghost shall be thy constant companion. Although Joseph was a great example of not asking the Lord why or questioning whether he was there or not, he got that wrong when he asked where the Lord is hiding because the Lord does not hide from us. The Holy Ghost shall be thy constant companion. When we do, when we have our heart, in the right place, and we go and do what we are supposed to do, and we let virtue garnish our thoughts, the Holy Ghost shall not maybe will, not can be thy constant companion. When those things happen, when you hold up your end of the bargain, the Holy Ghost shall be thy constant companion. And thy scepter, an unchanging scepter of righteousness and truth, and thy dominion shall be an everlasting dominion. And listen to this. Really think about this word, this phrase. And without compulsory means, it shall flow unto thee forever and ever. It's always been about choice. And we know that we have the capacity to become like our Father in heaven, like Jesus Christ. And that we will have dominion. Thy dominion shall be an everlasting dominion without compulsory means. So as we reach that capacity, let's go back to verse 36. The rights of the priesthood are inseparably connected with the powers of heaven. So in order to wield the powers of heaven, when we eventually become who we are supposed to become, we need to be worthy of the powers of the priesthood. It says next that the powers of heaven cannot be controlled nor handled only upon the principles of righteousness. That is why God is who he is. He is perfectly righteous, and thereby is connected with the powers of heaven. Let's end with section 122, pieces of it. And I want you to think about yourself. Think about the Lord speaking to you. Verse 5. If thou art called to pass through tribulation, if thou art in perils among false brethren, if thou art in perils among robbers, if thou art in perils by land or by sea, if thou art accused with all manner of false accusations, if thine enemies fall upon thee, and if thou shouldst be cast into the pit or into the hands of murderers, and the sentence of death be passed upon thee, if thou be cast into the deep, if the billowing surge conspire against thee, if fierce winds become thine enemy, if the heavens gather blackness and all the elements combine to hedge up thy way, and above all, if the very jaws of hell shall gape open the mouth wide after thee, Know thou, my son, that all these things shall give thee experience and shall be for thy good. The Son of Man hath descended below them all. Art thou greater than he? Therefore, hold on thy way, and the priesthood shall remain with thee, for their bounds are set. They cannot pass. Thy days are known, and thy years shall not be numbered less. Therefore. Fear not what man can do, for God shall be with you forever and ever. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If this episode brought the Spirit into your day, please share it. Share it with your family, your friends, the people you minister to. And in fact, share anything, any person who is putting out the word of God, who is doing what God has prompted them to do and putting out amazing content on the internet, share it. That is one way that you can fulfill your divine calling to help usher in the second coming of Jesus Christ, because by doing so, you are helping spread the gospel to all the world. And with that, I'll talk to you next week.